Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Welcome to another episode of the Movement Boxing Podcast, uh, where we bring you the, the latest and greatest news in boxing, you know, unfiltered and uncut, unbiased, you know what I'm saying, keeping it away from the mainstream, underground media, live, keeping it raw, giving it to you. Um, I'm joined today by my other co-hosts, um, you know, as normal, uh, the truth and facts about boxing. Bernard, uh, what's good with you, man? What's good, Twine? Uh, I want to say... Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there and the grandmothers out there, those that got children, those that have adopted children, or those that are taking children in that's not even theirs, and not necessarily by adoption, but just saying, hey, you're my friend's, uh, my uh, son's friend, I'm taking you in as well. So happy Mother's Day to all of them, the lovely women, and the mothers of boxers and trainers and of this sport, in this sport. Happy Mother's Day. All right, big up on that one. And, of course, I am Twine, the Divine Liberty, com. Um, you know, we holding it down for our co-hosts, co-hosts who can't be join, uh, joining us tonight. You know, of course, they got uh, other duties to attend to. You know, they have, uh, you know, wives and things of that nature that they're celebrating Mother's Day with of their own. You know, uh, so we're going to hold it down for Bo. Uh, also, the truth and facts about boxing. Um, also, we're going to hold it down for our boy 2K from the guys of Boxing Talk. Um, you know what I'm saying? We'll, we'll check in with you guys next week, man. Enjoy your enjoy your weekend, fellas. Have a good one. And with that said, are you ready to get dive diving in into these topics? Uh, also, let me uh, say we're gonna hold it down for Big Cool, who can't be uh, with us this week as well. Colossal thoughts and talk. So uh, we're gonna see all of them next week as well. Uh, but we're gonna dive into these topics. You ready, Bernard? Let's go, baby. Let's go. All right, man. Uh, we're gonna start off with a fight. Um, Actually, a title fight that happened uh, last night or yesterday over in the UK. Um, it was actually um, the title defense by uh, Cal Yafai. Um He was defending his uh, super flyweight title, um, his WBA title, against um, Segura Muranaka. And he actually, uh, you know, won it. You know, unanimous decision, of course, um, you know, in his first defense. Um, Bernard, uh, let me see. How did you? Uh, what was your take on that fight, man? Uh, to me, it, I thought the fight was Kaya uh, Five was in um uh, yeah. Was it came off very in the beginning? Beginning of the fight to me, it felt kind of was a close fight. Your fight was in the beginning was backing up a lot, and I don't mean backing up in the line. The sense that he was trying to get away. It's like he. Morocco was coming forward, and Yafai was trying to come with the uh, the counter punches and everything like that. At times, I felt that was beneficial. At times, I felt like it wasn't. Then there were times he got in the pocket. Now, I, I called it, like I said, I think I told you earlier, in the eighth round, there was a, a low blow that he was deducted a point for, but hit Morocco with a low blow. 
Muranaka with a low blow. But it, to me, when I saw the replay, he hit him on the belt line. I think that was a bad call by the ref. Uh, you didn't really see Muranaka, Muranaka, whatever his name is. Muranaka. Really Muranaka hunch over anything like that from a low blow, like it was a low blow. So it was a very bad call by the ref. I gave that round pretty much nine nine round, but from that point forward, I had your five winning the fight as my final score. I don't really have it on me right now, but there were at times also too. I probably I'm gonna let you piggyback off me, but like I said, there were I'm just I spoke on this the part of him. Basically, his countering. He was relying on his countering a lot to me in the beginning of the fight and his boxing skill, which it played beneficial, but. Moronaka was coming forward, and he was constantly applying that pressure. So, to me, it, it was a close fight. It was a close fight. I had it. Okay. Um, I kind of had it more like maybe uh, I guess he started pulling away like towards the second half of the fight. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Uh, okay. You know, well, from actually, uh, you you know, you got to take away that uh, the low blow round. So, from round nine on, you know, he pretty much was winning all of those. But you know, um, he started off pretty. I, I don't know. I don't like the way he, he pretty much uh, fought in the mirror, knocked his hands. You know, um, you know, fighting on the inside and giving up his reach. You know, um, that I didn't really like how he was doing that in the first half of the fight. Um, he kept doing it in the second half of the fight, but he was able to uh, land more combinations and uh, you know his body work. That he was doing the Muranaka actually uh, paying dividends over the rounds as he was able to land more and Muranaka through us, you know, when they were in closer quarters. Um, he was able to move away from Muranaka more in the second half of the fight and actually start using his length a little bit better, which, you know, I thought was good. Um, but, you know, um, Muranaka was still able to close them off pretty well for the, for the most part throughout the whole part of the fight. Um, it was a very difficult fight for uh, your five for his first defense. So um, he definitely learned a lot on in this one and had to face some adversity going against this tough guy, Miranaka. Um, but I definitely think it was a UD. Um, I do agree with you about the low blow. It was not one. Um, but, you know, he pretty much dominated the second half of the fight, you know, after uh, coming out and fighting in the Miranaka's pace and, uh, you know, playing into Miranaka's game plan. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, definitely uh, let me get your thoughts on something. Um, he had a, uh, made a statement earlier in the week that he wanted to face uh, Roman Chocolito Gonzalez. Um, do you think he's ready for such a fight after seeing him fight, uh, yeah, you know, yesterday? You think he's prepared to fight a, a Chocolatito? Hmm. No. Moronaka Mor- was coming for. What do you think Chocolatito's gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. You're playing. You like you like you said. He was playing. And you try to fight in a pocket with Chocolatito. Chocolate uh, Gonzalez. No. You're playing into the same game plan. That's the same fight. There's nothing you can really do differently. I mean, unless you could counter, which he did do it, but Chocolatito got, uh, man, he, he said he comes forward, man. I can't, don't get me wrong, the weight class he's in is a little bit big for him, but 
I don't see him. I think it plays more to Gonzalez's benefit. If you don't utilize that, your box, if you, your fight needs a couple more fights before he can take on that fight, I say. And he needs to utilize his boxing skills because you do not want to engage in a, uh, in the pocket all out war. That's Gonzalez's game plan. That's where he comes in, he comes in to seek and destroy. And don't get me wrong, Gonzalez can box. And he can counter and he can move too. But not in the sense of what we're looking at. But when he's in the pocket, Gonzalez got head movement, he got leg movement. But if he gets to cool, if he feels like in the last fight, like when Gonzalez got that cut, he felt like yeah. he had to go there to, to survive. He felt like he had to fight and get the knockout because he thought the judges may have said, oh, I'm cut, I'm bleeding, looks like I'm losing. If it's that, it's going to be a war. But if he does, if, he, if Gonzalez doesn't do that and applies that regular boxing knowledge that he has, he can come out winning. It, it, it's your fight needs more fights though. I would say two to three. So I wouldn't rush in there. Don't get me wrong. I appreciate the uh his heart and his drive and his determination to take on a top fighter in Gonzalez. I give him credit. But you're not ready for that. Yeah. Alright. Um we got Bo on the line. Let me see if he uh got anything he wanna add on. Uh, were you able to catch the Cal your five fighter yesterday? No, I wasn't able to catch that fight, man. Okay. I wasn't able to catch that fight at all. All right, it was pretty early uh, in the day over in the UK. Um, he actually won by UD. Um, yeah, I heard him talking about it. Like a lot of people, matter of fact, that somebody did an interview. Uh, I want to say it was uh, Ingram. Ingram did an interview with him. And I know he wants to fight Roman, Roman Chagas and Gonzalez. And I was listening to what Bernard was saying. And... Um, Bernard does have a point. I mean, I've seen the guy fight before. I just didn't see that fight. But Bernard does have a point. The only way is if he tries to turn into a fight where Roman Gonzalez tries to go for the knockout like he did in that other fight, then that's that's where it's at. But I still got to see how Roman Gonzalez's mindset is because he claims he's going to be going for the knockout in his rematch fight, and that's what caused him to fight the first time. Yes, yes. You know. Yeah, pretty interesting. So we got, yeah. All right. Um, I definitely uh, agree with Bernard. I think uh, Kyle Fire needs a couple of a couple of more fights. Um, like I said, he faced diversity in this fight, which was pretty good. You know, being his first title for the defense uh, mandatory against Samir um, Naka, a tough, tough, tough ca- uh, character. You know, in there. Um, you know, like Bernard said, he had it a close fight. You know, I probably had it a little bit more distant, you know. Um, but <coughs> excuse me. Uh he like I said, there's some things he definitely needs to work on, um, especially if he wants to go against a guy like Gonzalez who's going to uh, stalk him all night, you know, in the ring and you know, if you're gonna give up your reach and your size the way he did against Miranaka, you know, um Gonzalez is actually a more effective guy, you know, in those kind of quarters, you know, those close quarters. So, I mean, um, yeah, that is definitely something he needs to, needs to work on before, you know, stepping up into that level to face the top guys. But I definitely uh, admire his ambition, you know, wanting to face the top guys in the division. Um, with that said, we're going to go on into uh, our next topic. Um which is about uh, Guillermo Rigondeaux. 
Um, he's considering making moves be either 118 or 126 to get more fights um, since he can't get any at 122. Um, um, let me get you guys uh, thoughts on that, man. I'm gonna start off with Bo, um, since you have a lot, you know, a lot of uh, contact with those guys down there in Miami, as far as uh, you know, moves they're making and what's going on. Um, but like I said, he was considered making moves either 118 or 126. Um, so tell, uh, give us a, a little insight on that, man. Uh, my insight is that Bernard is a dirty Bernard. <laughs> Mukes is a dirty little whole ass bastard. That's my insight on that shit. And I'm referring to a picture that this motherfucker dug up out his fucking archived ancient ass phone of memory and put this fucking picture. <laughs> oh, you gonna tell you gonna tell my side, but you ain't gonna tell your side. That was a counter. That was a counter Only, only, only fucking Bernard Mukes with his goddamn phone of fucking uh, dark, dark web net memory. With <laughs> hey, I didn't even go. Hey, I got, hey, I got the body shot. The body this shot ready, right ready here, for you. <laughs> this dude right here is crazy. Uh, yeah, so. As we all know, Graham Rigo, for a while, he has been contemplating going to 126 or going down to 118. Uh, now, if you want to make money, and Graham would rather go to 126, okay? But here's the problem. At 126, uh, he has a bigger issue with getting fights at one. He would, have, he would have an even worse issue getting fights at 126. Than if he was to go to 118. If he goes to 118, he can go to Japan. You got Yamanaka. You got Nai Noe. You got a bunch of those dudes that will probably fight him at 118. You go to 126, you got all the guys that didn't fight him at 122, including Abner Morris and Kyle Frampton, who won't have to fight him because they've already made big names. Well, they made big names as far as the fights that they had that the public kind of want to see. Then there's the whole Al Heyman don't work with Rock Nation thing because you got Shelby, you got. Uh, uh, um, Gary Russell Jr., like I said, you got Santa Cruz, you got Frampton, you got uh, Abner Marez. So all of those guys at 126, they're not going to try to fight them because they're trying to fight themselves and have a big money fight. So although although Grandma, would, he really wants to go to 126 because he wants, he wants Shelby, he wants Quig. I mean, yeah, he wants uh, Quig, he wants Frampton. He damn sure wants Leo Santa Cruz. But the problem I don't think those guys are going to fight him. And guess what? They're not, they cannot fight him and get away with it. Why? Because they have their own mix going on at 126. If there was no outcry for them to fight you at 122, there's, not going to be, there's going to be even less outcry to fight them at 126. Okay? So the smart move from a money, from a, a, a being busy aspect, is for him to just go down to 118. And he can make 118 because Burrigo is not like a big guy. He, he hasn't, hasn't even hydrated over, um, I think, the most I remember him hydrating too was like 127. So, what he wants to do and what might be logical to do are two different things. If Rock Nation is smart, they'll say, "Look, Rigo, you better off going to 118 because we already know we can't make fights without hanging for you at 126 because he has the guys he wants in the mix to make mega fights at 126, and he's not going to be a part of that mix. The only way I would go to 126 is if he was guaranteed a title shot. So when you got to 126. Like, if he got to 126, and I don't know what organization it is, if you held they belt and you go up to the next weight division, you, be, you can be a Mando for that title. I, 
WBA. And I, and if not, WBA. correct me if I'm wrong, is, now is, is, is that the title he holds? He holds the WBA, correct, right? Yes. Uh, the WBO title does that. Uh, no, no, no. Or WBA. Oh, okay. okay. So that's the WBO. Okay, okay, right. So he he doesn't hold that title. So, no, he's going to – he's not going to. He's not gonna uh, going to 126 would definitely be career suicide because, like I said, there was never an outcry for guys to fight him. Like, think about this: when it comes to Rigo, and he talk about them guys beating him, what do people say? Well, Rigo would have beat them anyway. That's what they say. <laughs> oh well, you know, Rigo would have beat him anyway. So yeah, yeah, definitely agree. Um, but now you got anything you want to chime in on this one before I go in? Uh, I was gonna really just say. I agree with Bo. He should go to 118. I mean, there is a couple fights. He got, he got Flores. The fight with Flores, he, he's going to fight him. I want to see him fight Jesse um, Magdaleno, but the only issue with that is Bob Aaron's not going to let that happen because mm-hmm. of what happened with uh, uh, Nonito Donaire. So he definitely don't want to lose lose that WBO bill. Like I said, top ranking WBO with the conglomerate. So, with that being said, what think, what 18 will be his best. Now, who's the 122 WBC WBC yeah WBC champion? Uh, Ray Vargas. Who he had to? Uh, I have no clue. Me either. I don't know who he signed to either. I mean, if there, if he's not signed to Heyman or whatever, is there a chance that we gonna get him as well? Get that prestigious belt and get. The eyes put on him back on that division. And unification. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, well, here's the thing. You know, he got, like I said, he got Moses Flores. You have um, Samano, who holds the WBA regular belt, and I thought they was consolidating. And like you said, you got Ray Vargas, and then you got um, Uguni, Uguni, who holds the IBF. So, I mean, the fights are there, but the problem is, would they be worth the money? That's the that's the biggest issue. Like none of those names I just named would be would would probably be worth the money to make a fight with. But what about Jesse though? Um, Jesse Magdaleno, yeah. Jesse, that, that might be like that might be a nice money fight. Um, yeah, okay. Like, that would be a smart money fight. But the problem is, like you just said, I don't think yeah. Bob Barry's gonna make that fight. I think hey, hey. I think as far as him unifying Ray Vargas is a real a real live possibility. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's kind of funny. 
you know, if anything's too small. But when I actually think he he could uh fight at one twenty two, looking at his frame. But um, right. well, so, so well you got a good. couple good fights. You got a couple good fights at one eighteen. You got Yamanaka, the uh, ZZ who beat um Rasheed Warren, Jamie McDonald, TT. Uh, uh, who else? Juan Carlos Payano, I think that'll be a good fight with him. Good fight with him against Enrico. Well, those are PBC fights though as well, you know. Yeah. Juan Carlos Payano. Yeah, right there. Juan Payano, yeah. Well, but who's ZZ under? I don't think he signed with Diddy. I'm not sure who he signed with, um, but I know he's trained by. Um, Ricky Hatton. Ricky Hatton. Ricky Hatton, yeah, yeah. yeah not, but I'm not sure who, what promotional commander he's under, but I think that's a fight that could be made at 118 as well. Who's uh, um, What about Jose Cayetano? Why that name seems so familiar to me? Cayetano? He's yeah. signed without Haven, so that, that fight would happen as well. Yeah, I'm about to say. That's, that's what about Solis? Who has more opportunities at 118 than 126? Because they're okay. yeah, you know, especially, especially against the champions, especially against the champions. Yeah. You got Gary Russell Jr., you got Leo Santa Cruz, you got Lee Shelby, and Abner Morris, all Al Heyman guys. And then Oscar Valdez, nope, scratch that. That's that's, that's top rank. So yeah, so you got to think, look at uh, you know Yamanaka who's in Japan, good money fight over there. Then you got to look at uh Tete who fights out of the UK under I think uh, Frank Warren. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure was he one of those UK uh, banners. So that you know, that's definitely a lot of money over there in the UK. You know, he went over there and made the money, the money fighting Jazza Dickens. You know, so um, exactly, he definitely needs to go over there, man. And the, the 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 title shots are there. You know, the money is there. You know, there's no promotional uh, hangups. It is definitely a uh, you know, I think it's the best move for him as far as uh moving forward with his career, so especially saying that he wants to fight, you know, three times a year, you know, um, that's not going to happen at 126, man. Um, even though I think there's more probably prestige in fighting at 126, but, you know, with the difficulties of making those fights, hey, you know, um, yeah, he's going to be shit out of luck. So with that said, we can go ahead and uh, go over into our next um Topic of the night, man. This is a pretty crazy one that happened earlier in the week. Um, <laughs> um, somehow, Vladimir Klitschko leaped 10-plus spots over Louis Kong Ortiz to become the number two ranked WBC heavyweight title contender. Um, you know, after the Burmese to burn, of course, who's fighting uh, Deontay Wilder, the uh, heavyweight title holder of uh, the WBC vote right now. Um, I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on what the hell just happened. How has Vladimir Klitschko lost twice in a row um, and found himself rising in the ranks still? Well, I understand with the uh, the WBA situation um, as far as the rematch, you know, um, uh, you know, but as far as now jumping up in the rankings to number two over King Kong Ortiz after taking a loss, a knockout loss, um, what the hell is going on, man? Um, let me get your thoughts. Uh, money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's 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 what it is. Money. See, the reality is, listen, Luis Ortiz is in a situation where he can upset the balance of power. Okay, 
And it's not then for all you out there talking about, oh, you say he can beat Ortiz Good. No, I'm not saying he can beat Deontay Wilder. I'm saying he has the ability to upset the balance of power. Okay? So, because here's the reality that people don't want to be faced with. Because when it comes to Wilder and Ortiz, they always want to make it look like how Wilder ducked Ortiz. No, it wasn't just Wilder that ducked Ortiz. I remember when King Kong called out Vladimir Klitschko. Klitschko didn't fight him. I remember when Tyson Fury, after beating Klitschko, was, you know, that's when he did the retirement thing. And Ortiz tweeted, hey, Klitschko, I'll fight you since Fury is out 10 29. Klitschko didn't fight him, okay? I remember when he called Anthony Joshua. Joshua didn't fight him. I remember when he told Tyson Fury, I'll whoop your ass. Fury didn't fight him. I remember when he said, all heavyweights are pussies. And nobody fought him. So it wasn't just Wilder. He can upset the balance of power. Why? Because, again, Luis Ortiz, sad, sad to say, all of these other guys, Wilder, Joshua, Fury, Klitschko, they fight each other. It's big money. They fight Luis Ortiz. It's high risk, low reward. And it really is because if Deontay Wilder fights Luis Ortiz right now, and he beats Luis Ortiz. Do you know what they'll say? Oh, he was a hype job anyway. That's exactly what they'll say. Oh, he was a hype job anyway. You know, he, he ain't beat nobody. He was a hype job anyway. Right? But if Luis Ortiz beats Deontay Wilder, right, now, outside of Sackdale Clown Wilder, but now Luis Ortiz fighting Anthony Joshua won't have the money value. That it, that with Lewis, or, I mean, with Anthony Joshua versus Deontay Wilder, America versus UK, or America versus you, uh, uh, Russia, uh, uh, you know, with him and and uh, Vladimir Klitschko. So it's it's money because, like you said, I remember when Vladimir Klitschko wasn't even in the rankings for the WBC, at least not the top fifteen. So now all of a sudden he jumped all the way. Uh, come on, man, money is money. Uh, Bernard, you got anything you, uh, well, actually, let me put a different spin on it on for you, Bernard. Let me get your take on it this way. Okay. How is Luis Ortiz finding himself on the short end of the stick all the damn time? Um, especially since he's put himself in a, a better situation being advised by Al Heyman now. Um, you know, he's actually put himself in some good situations, you know, um, as far as being with, um, Eddie Hearn for those a couple of fights that he was working with them, you know, being with Al Heyman now, you know, he got a big fight with Brian Jennings while he was with Golden Boy. Um, so let me get let me get your thoughts on that. Like, how does he find himself on the short end of the stick, even though he's trying to make, you know, better business decisions as far as uh, you know, his promotional tie, not well, his management, you know, the management of his career. Both said money. I'm going to go with a different theory. It's got to be some politics behind it. Now, don't get me wrong. And this is kind of maybe far-fetched to be thinking. But remember when Wilder was saying, yeah, that Luis Ortiz felt that drug says da 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 Well, Ortiz signed up for the Queen Drug Program, and he made himself to what the number two spot. I don't know if it's Al Heyman. If that was a good idea to sign with Al Heyman. Now, I'm not accusing Al Heyman of doing anything. Just, just look at it like this. Your investment is Deontay Wilder. That's your 
for the heavyweight division. That's who you got. That's who your man is in the heavyweight division. Luis Ortiz does have the chance to, again, like both said, upset the power. But you really can't promote Luis Ortiz to the American fan base. But you can't promote Deontay Wilder to the American fan base. Are y'all following me? That with that opportunity. As for the Klitschko side of it, I can't figure that's some serious politics. Again, I was totally against him getting – I understand why he was able to fight Joshua because of what Tyson Fury, but to have a rematch call even in that fight, I was even mad like that. You constantly giving this old man a chance to fight for a belt that he lost twice now. You constantly giving him an opportunity. And as I'm looking at the rankings too, this may play a various role in why Ortiz is getting – Chris Cole is getting put, is put over Ortiz. The uh, Emirates champion is Vitaly Klitschko. Vladimir's older brother. So he's basically the champion for life. For life. So that could play a role in it as well. It's a lot of – why Ortiz? I don't know. What can we say Ortiz needs to do? He's calling fighters out. He's calling them pussy, and nobody has stood up to him. The only, like Brian Jennings, he fought Brian Jennings. He got 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 him out of there, and he had the opportunity to do a lot more. I don't know what the, he could do. I don't know what he made some good plays behind the scenes. You got Matchroom by uh, Eddie Hearns. Matchroom got him fighting in England. Very good move. And you got Al Hammond as your manager. So right now you got a. American fan base, the Cuban fan base, and the UK fan base backing you up. I'm surprised. I don't, and for the politics behind it, I don't know what's going on with that. That's that's some tricked out shit. I don't know what. Two losses in a row to get you the number two spot, man. I don't know what to say about that. I just don't know what Ortiz could do. I mean, Ortiz, I understand Ortiz came off an injury. He sued the WBA. Um, maybe he needs to take a see what happens with the remain Severn fight, and if but once Wilder beats Severn, because I'm calling that one, maybe he could sue sue the WBC too to get him a fight with Klitschko to see who is that number one contender for the WBC. Yeah, right if, now it's looking like. Uh... Go ahead, Bernard. If things fall through with the WBA, with the lawsuit with the WBA. Now, he hasn't filed one with them yet. He's planning on it if they don't honor him, him if Joshua doesn't fight him next. Okay. Okay. But um, that said, it's looking like there's a possibility that the Vladimir Klitschko uh, Anthony Joshua rematch could be a real, real thing. Um, Looking looking like October, I've been seeing in preliminary reports um, online, you know, just random stuff looking around. Um, So we'll continue to keep an eye on it. Uh, Quick question, quick question, quick question. I don't mean to cut you off. Uh, What's the situation with the IBF now with the Pulev? That's still up up there too? Yeah, um, he has the face pull up and so he'll, he'll be stripped. So, I mean, he, wow. uh, you know, but, you know, the situation was the WBA 
was saying that they may allow him a special, um, what was that? I forgot what they called it. A special permit. A special a permit. Yeah, a special permit to, to allow him uh, a step-aside fight, you know, to avoid his mandatory with Luis Ortiz, um, you know, to allow this rematch to happen. And so it's like, I don't know. But that's a, that's a WBA. But that's a WBA, <clears throat> though, right? Yeah. Allow yeah. him to. But as far as the IBF, they'll probably strip him if he doesn't fight Pula. That's you know. Uh, can they? That's what I say. Why would you? If you gonna put the special permit, this is what I would. This is my hypothetically speaking. What I would think. I would think the WBA will allow a special permit for him to allow to defend the IBF title against Pula next, and then give well, Pushko. That, 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 that would be uh, all up to. Uh, you know, that would be all up to pretty much the promoter's decision as far as who they fought next. But I'm just saying, I'm seeing oh, okay. preliminary oh. reports that um, Klitschko will be fighting, um, you know, Joshua the rematch in October. You know, they're looking at that right now. That is a, a, a real uh, possibility that that could be happening in October if he doesn't fight um, Pulev in the meantime. You know, who knows? He might fight Pulev in the meantime, knock his ass out or something like that and, you know, go on mm-hmm. about his business. You know, you never know. So, um, but you know, you guys got anything else you want to add in about this one, Bo? Just you know what? Just the fact that it just goes to show you how when people we talk about these organizations, or when like when a fighter fights somebody who who's um, ranked high in the organization, and they say stuff like, you know, uh, oh yeah, but who that guy beat? Just like you know, the light heavyweight division has that guy Demetrius Bible as like number one in the light heavyweight division for the WBA title. Now, again, if the situation Ward fights him, he'll they'll say he's too green or who'd he beat, but he's rated number one. So just keep this stuff in mind. It's not these fighters' fault who these organizations put in put in these number categorized. The all the fighters can do is fight them. Yeah. I definitely agree with you on that one, man. Um, it sucks that uh, Luis Ortiz keeps uh, ending up in these situations, man, where he's looking on the, you know, where he's on the outside looking in, you know, or it's looking like he he's not gonna get a title shot at all <laughs> right now, you know, with from the WBC or the WBA, you know, uh, considering the rematch or the uh, the pull the fight options you know, for Anthony Joshua right now. And, of course, Deontay Walter fights the burn, and now him jump being uh, lower to the number three ranking by the WBC. Hmm. Man, yeah, that, that guy cannot catch a break, man, and, and he's going to... Uh, better check him switch bank accounts. It's looking like he's going to end up uh, being one of them. Them what-if stories, them sad yep. stories. 30 for 30 movie. Damn. Damn. All right. Um, that's it, man. We're going to go into another topic, man. Uh, it's looking like Sullivan Barrera will be taking on Joe Smith Jr. Uh, on July 15th on the undercard of the Takashi Mira and Miguel, Miguel Burchell fight um, on July 15th in, uh, on HBO. Um, let me get you guys thought on this uh, card initially. Um, Takashi Mirov against against Burchell, and then you got uh, 
of course, uh, the fight that I mentioned, Joe Smith Jr. and Sullivan Barrero, um, fighting for, I guess, is a WBC silver, what is it, a 175 belt, by heavyweight title? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah the WBC silver. Yeah, so let me get you guys' initial thoughts on that fight, not uh, predictions or anything, but just thinking, uh, what do you guys think is a good matchup or not? Uh, go ahead, Bernard. Uh, I think this is a good matchup for Joe Smith. He took out uh, Fonfara last year, and he also took out Bernard Hawkins last year by TKO. Sullivan Barrera been, been in there with uh, Ward, got knocked down. Been in there with uh, who's the last opponent that we thought uh, he fought that he knocked out? Shabransky. Shabransky. Everybody thought he was. Uh, some people thought Barrera was going to lose that fight, but Barrera came off otherwise. And that was with him and under the trainer, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, he's kind of. I don't want. I'm not saying this is in a bad way. Confidence is up, riding that wave of that knockdown. Definitely with a new trainer. This is going to be a fight. I'm not. I'm not going to say Joe Smith is also riding his way too. With two knockouts last year, as that one fight that you never you didn't see coming last year. So yeah, everybody said the Bernard Hopkins fight. Yeah, he, he he's up in age, but yeah, Bernard Hopkins still got in the ring. Uh, this is one of those fights. I, I, I'm glad this is a good fight, even though we was, I was really looking forward to Joe Smith fighting Adonis Chickenson, but for some reason that fight fell through. But I think this is a good fight. Uh, it's good, but I want to see how Joseph is tested against another top contender in the, in his division. Bernard has just now been muted from the conversation for he he's on timeout. Oh, wow, he, he is on timeout. <laughs> derogatory comments just made. Okay. Um, he will be back on in a couple minutes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, well, the co- I told y'all uh, gonna get your ass back. I the Takashi Marua and Burchell fight is a very good fight. We just because we saw Burchell and Steve Vargas, these are two guys not gonna be hard to find. They're gonna bring it. Um, Sullivan Barretta fighting Joe Smith Jr. Very good fight. Uh, Barretta is doing what a uh, don't ask Chickenson wouldn't do. Uh, Bell has just now been muted from the conversation as well. Okay. <laughs> you must want to talk to yourself tonight. No, 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 no. Go ahead, man. Go ahead. Well, you know what? You know, do you know what though? A real talk. I want to say Happy Mother's Day to a, that that bitch, Donna Stevens. But uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but he you know what? The belt. Yeah, it, it's an interesting fight because Joe Smith can pop as yeah. far as the technical as far as technical ability. I don't I'm, I don't think he's more technically sound than Shabransky. I think Shabransky. Has more experience. Oh, Barrera, 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 Barrera. Sullivan Barrera. I'm sorry, right, right, Barrera. Sullivan Barrera has more experience 
Yes. As far as the guys he's been in there with. And people say, oh, but Joe was in there with Bernard Hopkins. He was in there with Bernard Hopkins that shouldn't have been in the ring. Okay? Yeah, that's right. Would be, if he wasn't in there with B-Hop, he was in there with B-Flop. Exactly, right. Uh, but I can confirm that the fight is going down. It has been confirmed. I can confirm that the fight is actually happening July 15th. There are no possibilities. It's actually going down. This is a fight that if Sullivan Loretta wins this fight, he can position himself for a title shot at, at, at uh, light heavyweight. And I can also tell you that Sullivan Loretta wants to get his revenge on Andre Ward. He wants that fight back. So um, it's a very interesting fight, only because Joe Smith is so hot. Uh, and it's a good move for him as far as going after Joe Smith because the only person ahead of Joe Smith in the WBC ranking of course, is Kovalev, and then um, uh, Alvarez, who they pay step-aside money to. So this is a very good move, a very smart move. He's, my suggestion to him is don't get wild because Joe Smith can crack. So don't get wild. Use your technical ability. Use your reach. Use that stuff you got from the Cuban boxing school because Joe Smith, he, you know, he, he can pop and he can punch, but as far as being technical, like when he fought Bernard Hopkins, I didn't, I didn't see any I didn't see anything that wowed me as far as his skill set. When I look at right. Sullivan Barretta, I know he has a skill set. So just use your skill set because the other guy doesn't have it. Exactly. Uh, I want to pick up on the um, Miura and Burchell fight. Okay. Uh, the, the last fight is we saw Miura in, he fought a, a guy named Roman. Uh, I know I think his last name was Roman. And Miura went in there do or die. He was shot. The ninth round, after the ninth round, his uh, coach was like, yo, you got to do what you got to do to get this dude out of here. Yeah, he's had, and from that ninth round, either eighth round or ninth round on, he threw nothing but power shots. He even hit Roman with a body shot that put him on the ground, and I think round 10, knocked him down in the 11. I think he got the knockout in the 12th round because he knocked him down three rounds in a row. With that being said, if Burchell fought Vargas, who was shot as well, and it showed, and Burchell beat him, Miura, that do or die, is not going to be beneficial to him in his fight. He's worn, war-tone or war-battle-torn, whatever you want to call it. I got Burchell winning that fight and possibly by a late stoppage, mid-round late stoppage, because... Um, Muir has been in too many wars, and Burchell's a young guy coming up in that division, and I see him getting that win, and he'll, he, he's fresh. He didn't really go in there to uh, do a die with Vargas. He fought him, fought him tonight. It was a rugged fight, but Vargas was taking more, most of the damage. I mean, and this is pretty much Burchell's going to be playing. Uh, I mean, Muir is going to be playing. Um, Styles is going to play right into Burchell's hands. Yeah, and we're looking at the fight of, fight of the year candidate in this one, definitely, with that uh, Burchell and Mira fight. So, definitely be looking out for that one. As far as uh, Barrera and uh, Joe Smith, they uh, tend to mention Adonis' name not a lot for some reason. I don't know why they can't just stay on topic. Like, you know, they don't mention uh, Joe Smith Jr. avoiding uh, Gavatsik. You know, not wanting to take that fight, you know, with a guy that only has 12 professional fights. I don't know what that's all about, though. 
Um, but you know, they don't want to mention stuff like that about the the, the actual topic at hand. But um, you know, we gonna uh, keep it pushing, man. You know, <laughs> we gonna keep it pushing, man. Um, our next topic is let's see. Uh, we got um. Andre Ward, you know, it looks like he was a no-show for the HBO face-off promo shoot with, uh, you know, how they do with, uh, you know, with Max Kellerman, you know, for HBO. Um, He was a no-show for that HBO face-off, and there's no no plans to reschedule it. Um, let me get you guys' take on that as far as, uh, you know, there's been a lot of backlash from uh, main events and, you know, uh, Kathy Duva about the no show and saying his damage and promotions and I, cause she's emotional than a motherfucker, you know. I'm, she's I'm a fucking woman, man. I take this. I take this one. I I, I know both probably both pointed something out in the article, and I in the in the ring TV article that I noticed. I didn't even really notice, but I read through it. But I want to pick up on something. I'm gonna let both pick up on that part. But I noticed something. Remember the last time Kathy Duva got. Emotional around this was right at the war fault brand. The next day they wanted to have a press conference for the fight. And he supposedly he was a no-show, this and that. Well, when have you known to have a uh, a press conference the next day after a fighter has, you know what I'm saying? She's always jumping to the media, and it kind of pisses me off how Mainstream media grabs onto her. It's like she's the first one. As soon as he, she says something, boom, mainstream runs with it. But don't nobody just give a chance to let Ward speak his out, let alone Ward don't say anything. And I don't think there's nothing wrong with it. But because at the end of the day, the truth already it came out in the article, but that ain't what it really stuck out in the article. You have to really look into it. She's all, yeah, highly emotional. As soon as she doesn't get her way, she's running to the media. They were the A side. Remind you guys, to remind you, they were the A side, and Ward won that fight and made himself the A side. Now he's the A side again, and we all know have known Ward has been a constant and a consistent professional when it comes to his fighting and doing everything. So with that being said, I'm gonna let I'm gonna pass it to my partner Bo. I'm gonna let him speak on a little piece of that article that was. That he picked out of it, and then I'm probably gonna put piggyback after him. Bo? Well, in, well, in the article it said that a source, an unnamed source, from the ward side said apparently there was supposed to be some kind of meeting break that took place on Saturday after the fight, and uh, Kovalev didn't show up for that. So Andre Ward felt some kind of way. He felt like, listen, I'm not gonna make any more accommodations for this guy. And he left. Now, the HBO people, the HBO people were furious about Andre Ward leaving. Let's make no mistake about this. Hello? No, we are, we are. Okay. So the HBO people were upset about that. But here's, see, here's my thing, okay? Um, Kathy Duva is trying to say, and, 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 I, and I, I did a video about this. This is the reason why it's not getting no traction in mainstream media, him missing it, okay? One reason, of course, is because Gennady Golovkin and Canelo Alvarez was now. That's one. But secondly, if you're going to go after Ward for that, then you also have to go after Kovalev for missing that whatever event took place on Saturday 
and for his fucking tweets. Yes. For his, for his, you, 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 you have to look, and go for his fucking tweets because if I'm Andre Ward, and you've been, you've been like, this is getting beyond like the first fight when it was a fight. Kobolo has been acting like a little crybaby. He's been like a little crybaby before with his tweets. Like, he been, he been, I'm serious. He's been acting like that with his tweets. And everybody wants to focus on what Ward did, uh, didn't do, but don't want to talk about what Kovalev did do. There's also another video that I put up where Ward is talking, and he has the head of the Showtime Boxing, uh, the head of Rock Nation Boxing, where he said people were talking about, so what's taking so long to make the fight? What was taking so long was we had to constantly convince Kathy she was no longer the A-side. For months, we were trying to tell this woman, you're not the A-side. You're not the A-side. Okay? So that's one reason. And then on top of that, let's just be honest, man. Who the fuck even cares about a face-off? We already know we got the fight. We have a date. We have a what's called We have a venue. Okay? We already know we have that. We know when they fight. We know where they fight. We know what time they fight. She's talking about something. It, 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 it hurts promotion. Kathy, I have news for you. Between you and Rock Nation, neither one of you motherfuckers promote a fight right. The fuck you talking about is hurting promotion. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. HBO you included. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, between, right, between you and Rock Nation, neither one of you motherfuckers might have promote a fight. Okay? This isn't like we're talking Golden Boy. This isn't like we're talking Top Rank. They know how to promote a fight. Hell, even Eddie Hearns with the Klitschko-Joshua fight, he, he promoted that. They know how to promote fights. Rock Nation does a disservice to promote their fighters' fights, and Kathy Duva does too, because for all that shit for Cobra Love is talking and doing, he's supposed to be a bigger star. Okay? Then on top of that, if now again, if you want to point out what a motherfucker do, because people talk about some war scared, okay, you want to say he's scared. Three times. This is after Cobra Love tweets. Three times him Ward stood face-to-face. Three times Cobra Love needed a fucking interpreter. You can speak English perfectly well. What do you need the interpreter for? So, like I said, he didn't go to the face-off. Who gives I, Me personally, I don't give a fuck. You know when the last face-off I watched, it was a rerun of Floyd versus Miguel Cotto that they played a rerun because a movie had ran. You know how when you're watching the movie on HBO and you still got like 20 minutes left? That's the only reason why I watched that motherfucker. <laughs> That's it. Nobody, I, 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 I don't give a fuck about a face-off. I really don't. I, I really don't even see the purpose of the shit. So nobody cares about it. Those who are only talking about it are doing it because Andre Ward didn't go. Because, like I said, they want to ignore the fact that Cole didn't go to this thing on Saturday. So that's why they're not getting no traction. That's why I don't, I personally don't give a fuck. Let me say this. Let me pick it back on him. Actually, what I read, though, what I heard, read on, the, on these articles, Ward was there first. One time, and yeah, he was. It was. And he was ready for the ready Because Jim Lampley talked to him at the fight. Remember, Jim Lampley talked to Ward at the fight. They interviewed him at the fight. Kovalev was supposed to be the part of that segment right there. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it's up. So, come on, man. Stop stop putting on a, um, putting on Ward, man. It's, it's, so it's got to do with Russ to the media. Oh, yeah. hey. The proof has been shown that Warren has constantly been telling the truth the whole time, and he don't have to say anything. It sucks because what does the media do? They run with the first negative thing. That make that makes oh Warren didn't show to the well, uh, and that's news. That's news. But well, it, it, this is a situation where the media really didn't go at it like that about it because they know. See, see, this is this is why I say there's certain things they know they can and they can't. 
Like, they couldn't really go at it like that, like they wanted to. They might have mentioned it, or you heard whispers of it. But they, they didn't go, like, full full barrage on it because if they do, they have to point out, well, Kovalev was supposed to have been at the fight standing there with Ward when Jim Lampley was going to talk to him and be like, okay, where was he at? So you can't talk about one without bringing up the other. That's the only reason why. The only reason why they're not blowing it up. They mention it like, you know, in hindsight, but it's not one of the things where they did. You know what I'm saying? In right. It's not one of the things that they just, you know, like when I heard, like, check it out. Matter of fact, when I heard about it, when it happened, I heard about it from one or two uh, mainstream media outlets and very, and very few social media outlets said the shit in passing. Because, again, you like like I mean even the article with Steve Kemp put in there. You can't talk about one without talking about. That's why they put in the article. Well, Kovalev didn't show, and they and they put it at the bottom too, so you couldn't really see it. But if you I, or, it or, 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 or they put it in the middle of the paragraph in like one sentence, one or two sentences, yeah. and that's it. Right. <laughs> so yeah. So that's that. That's why uh, that's why I'm telling you, it's not. It, it didn't get no traction at all. Period. Like Kathy Duva wanted it to get because because of the fact. If you dig into it, you're like, well, Coco loved this show. What happened? Oh, well, yeah, shut up, bitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just want to say there are no uh, media plans to uh, reschedule the face-off. Um, I was no. actually looking forward to it because of the animosity between these two that seems to be there. Uh, I mean, it would be interesting to see those two face-to-face and going back and forth as far as uh, – you know, out of the, some of the, the comments that have been made um, by by both camps, you know, especially Kovalev, in Kovalev's case, you know, I, I got to see what he, he do on somebody's face like that, you know. Um, no, man, he's See if he remains calm and, and situated, you know. Um, I, you know, that's definitely something I would want to see. That's what I was looking forward to the face off, but it's not looking like we're going to get to see that, uh, unfortunately. Um, but you know, it is what it is. The fight is already there, and you know, it, you know, for those that are interested, it's going to sell itself. So it doesn't necessarily need the desperate promotion for a second fight. You let know? me ask this um, question. Let me ask. Let me ask this question. Does anybody think? Like, for me, I thought it was strange that HBO didn't try to reschedule it. Do anybody find that strange? Um, You know what? Considering I think there is enough time to, but I don't know if there is a – I mean, I guess it was a, a – there is, that was the only time they need to schedule because of, you know, being in training camp right now. So that might be another issue as far as the reschedule. You know, they were both in Vegas for the – the HBO pay-per-view, Canelo and Chavez, um, you know, so they both had a reason to be there and to do the face-off in Vegas, you know. Um, but, you know, now they're both back in training camp and, you know, preparing for their their, uh, their, their fight, you know, their rematch coming up. So I guess that's why there's no immediate uh, plans to, to do anything. Um, I could see them possibly doing something, you know, uh, as far as, you know, there's a fight coming up this weekend we're going to be talking about later in New York on HBO um, that they could possibly meet up that if they, they were really talking about rescheduling. You know, I could see that as a possibility, but, you know, who knows? 
So what do you guys think about that? Let me say that again. Um, as far as I'm rescheduling for this weekend in New York with, uh, on the uh, the Terrence Crawford uh, Diaz card, you know them doing the uh, face off there. They can, but like I, I like I said, I I mean actually it actually it, him not going makes you more curious about what's going to happen to the fight. To be honest with you, because you can clearly see there's a different tone with this fight than it was in the first one. Like there's animosity. Serious animosity there. So, I mean, yeah. that could. I don't know. Yeah, which is why I think that the face-off would have been good, you know. But um, with that said, we're going to uh, jump into our next topic. Um, actually, this is something that Bernard put out earlier in the week, you know, uh, one of his posts in our groups that we be in. Um, the World Boxing Super Series, that's uh, – being held or hosted by um, Richard Schaefer and his promotional banner um, has decided the, the weight classes that they'll be doing for their uh, tournament. Um, and those weight classes will actually be uh, the super middleweight weight class and cruiserweight. Um, hello? Yo. Okay. Um, yeah, they'll be doing... Um, they're turning the tournament at a super middleweight weight class and cruiserweight. Um, and like we said uh, previously on, on on another show, the tournament is going to be what the uh, with the value of fifty million to the winner. Um, is going to be I'm not sure how that prize money is going to be split up, but there's you know fifty million at stake. Um, and with the super middleweight class and cruiserweight division, there's definitely a lot of competition right now. It's just a matter of seeing who's actually signed. Uh, you know, you know who actually decides to join and get involved in the tournament. Um, let me get your thoughts on that initially, Bob, Bernard, as far as the tournament, the, uh, the weight class selection. Uh, I, w- I was cool with the cruiserweight division or even the super middleweight division. I just think those, those classes, those are up there in weight. I mean, what I mean by that is 168 pounds, and 200 pounds. I would like to wish to see in the junior well, the junior, yeah, junior welterweight division, the 140 pound division, be one of the first classes to do it. And you could do the super middleweight or the cruiserweight. The reason why I wanted the junior middle, junior welterweight, excuse me, because I felt that's a division that you could really build a new top fighter out of. And I don't want to say a top fighter, but a top contender, because as of right now, you got Dongo, Crawford. Rances as three top junior welterweights. If I'm if, if I'm missing anybody, let me know. Or you can go go ahead and put Felix Diaz because he goes from 140 147, so that's four. Broner he's at 147. He ain't come back to 140. I don't know what he what the deal is, but I would like to wish that the speaker wish that division was in and pull up a top contender hopefully like that. Now I digress on that part. As for the 168 pound division and the cruiserweight division. I would like to see how that division, division, the divisions play off. The cruiserweight is the division right for the heavyweight division, so that's a division that's going to be a lot of action and possibly some knockouts in that division. 168-pound division, that's a good division as well. We already got champions in there, such as Jay, champion James DeGale. But my only issue is those that signed up, 
and those that sign up and how that promotion, how that's going to run with the ranking system as well as promoters being involved in this tournament. And that's the only issue I'm kind of concerned with that, to see how it's going to play out. And is it, going to, is it going to be smooth? So does Richard Schaefer take over, over the promotion in terms of the fighters and the tournament and everything? And what I mean by that is if a fighter wins, say for instance, if Golden Boy put a fighter in and Al Hammond got a fighter in, with Richard Schaefer's association with Al Hammond and his issues with Golden Boy prior, would that have an effect on the tournament? That's all I'm just kind of, I want to see how that's going to play out. Yeah. All right. Uh... Well, let me get your thoughts on uh, the tournament selection as far as the weight classes and um, what do you think is going to happen as far as possible, possibilities as far as uh, entries because we haven't heard any names that have signed up for it yet. Uh, You're talking the cruiserweight, you said the cruiserweight division. And 168. Yeah. Super middleweight, super middleweight. Yeah, super middleweight division. So just the cruiserweight and the super middleweight division? Yeah. Oh, no, 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 that's the division I, I, start off. Okay. Uh, the cruiserweight division would be a very, very interesting division uh, because you have a lot of different promoters. You have Alexander Usyk, who is top ranked. You have um, Dennis Lebedev, who's with, uh, I think he's with uh, some Russian promoter. You got Murat Gassiev, Tony Bellew. Uh, uh, Shumanov, who is acting like a chicken shit and don't want to fight Dorstikos. <laughs> so, uh, but the cruiserweight division that would be very that would be an interesting division. And and the thing about it is, some of those fights, with the exception of maybe Bob Arum, and I actually believe with the 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 amount of of of, of um, what's the word I'm looking for um, belief. In Usyk, he might be willing to do that. Bellew, I believe, is probably. I think Bellew dropped his belt. I think he yeah, went he on the heavyweight. Yeah. Huh? He's at heavyweight. Yeah. yeah. So he at the heavyweight division. So that'll be interesting. Now the super middleweight one. Again, that's another one that's interesting. You have James DeGale. You got Gilberto Ramirez, who again is top run. You got uh, Zagi. And the WBC is vacant right now. So that's another interesting division because Kobe got Kyle Smith, got Andre Durrell. Like, I can actually, actually see movement more at the super middleweight division than the cruiserweight division. Yeah. Most of these guys are under Al Heyman. I would, you know, now there's one name I would love to see in that mix with the super, in the super middleweight division. I would love to see Jesse Hart. Yo, I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking the same thing. I would love to see Jesse Hart in the mix of that division. But the Cruiserweight division is more possible because of the fact you have a lot of Al Heyman guys and you have a lot of uh, UK guys, and I think those fights can be made. The only wild card would be Gilberto Ramirez because he's with top rank, and, you know, we we, we know how that WBO is with top rank. Jesse Hart. Jesse Hart, he's ranked number two by the WBO. Yeah, but he signed with top rank as well. Yeah, yeah, and that's a guy I, I would love to see him get into the mix. 
And that might be a reason why God Durham is smart, man. He needs to start, uh, you know, doing some co-promotional things as far as uh, landing his finders off the the other promoters, you know, to keep them yeah. and to keep them paid, you know. Um, I mean, ego aside, you know, you know, business is business, and you got to keep the fighters taken care of, and especially for a prospect and a guy like Jesse Hart. Um, I mean, why well, hold him? He, you know, he hasn't fought in, in quite some time. You know, he hasn't been that active. You know, because of the the freeze on top rank with HBO and them not being on televised uh, networks at the at the um, moment. So they definitely need to, you know, do something just to keep them busy and keep their their fighters visible. You know, especially pro, you know, top prospects like that. Right, I agree. I agree. Um, but I'm definitely excited about it as far as uh, the divisions. Um, I think Cruiserweight is very deep outside of Usyk being, you know, the kingpin of the division. Who? Cool. Usyk. How many belts he got at Cruiserweight? What's up? How many belts does he have at Cruiserweight? Uh, just one, but he's still the top top dog at Cruiser to me. How, 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 how do you think a guy with one belt is a top dog when you had a guy like this? I don't see anybody t- anybody touching him. Um, okay, but but, 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 but wait a minute. After that last performance, you don't see nobody beating him? He beat <laughs> the guy. Okay, wait a minute. I, I never said that. I said after the last performance. Yes, I still. So think he, I still think he beats Mirkel. After that last performance, after that last performance, you don't think nobody can beat Usyk at cruiserweight? No, I don't think none of the other champions beat him. Still, after that last performance, I don't think Lebedev beats him. I don't get. I don't think Garcia beats him. I don't think. Uh, well, whoever wins the WBC title beats him. I mean, Murray's Breeders probably has the best chance stylistically. You know he's be he'll be fighting. Uh, he yeah. actually, I, I actually think that's who uh, they fought. Well, they fought for the WBC, uh, Breedis and Marco Huck. So that's who the uh, WBC belt holder is. But I actually think Breedis is probably the one that gives them the most trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but no, nah, I, I don't think any of the other cruiserweight champs beat them. Um, but 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 how did you crown? But wait, how did you crown him? the man of the division, and you had a guy who was holding two belts. Who's holding two belts? No, no, I said you got a guy who was holding two belts. So how do you crown him the man all of a sudden? Why? He shouldn't be holding any belts right now. No, I I agree with you. And wait a minute. If the WBA belt was on the line, uh, Garcia would have been holding two belts. But but again, how do you crown the dude who's only holding one belt when you have multiple champions, how is he crowned the man of the division? You know what you you know what you're saying when you look at certain things, man. You you know who's good and who's, who's the top of the division, man. And I that's could be looking. That's what I'm looking, saying. I could be looking at a six foot bitch or a five foot five bitch. The only way I'm gonna know who pussy is better is if I fuck him. So how can you sit there and you tell me just by looking at this motherfucker he's a man? Hey, I gave you my explanation. I gave you my explanation, and you gonna keep asking the same question over, man. I tell you, you know, you know, you right, you right, you right, you 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 absolutely right. You know, motherfucker, you can everybody.
You right. You right. I, I apologize. Twan is having a casual moment. I I I get it. I understand. Um, anything else you like to add on to that vote before we go into our next topic? Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. I can't hear you. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you know, know, they draw go bum out of office because of shit like this. That's coming up a little bit too much, man. Like I said, you guys bring up the wrong things, but you don't want to get Joe Smith avoiding a a 12-fight fighter. And and the one being the guy that that kept that fight from happening because he wanted, thought he was a side and deserved more money, but so you know you guys don't want to bring up the obvious facts, but he he's still chickens and it's all Adonis's fault as usual, but that that's how it goes. Like uh, 2K said last week, exercise some discernment, fellas, discernment. Big up 2K for that word. Big up for that word, 2K, because you, you added to my... All right, yeah, you going to use that word to justify your bullshit. Discernment. What we got up, man? We got a, a big uh, weekend uh, of title fights, man, coming up this weekend. <clears throat> well, actually, before we get into that, I actually want to let Bedard do get in and do his thing. Um, you know what the fuck are your boss and the board? Um, let's go ahead and get that get that going, well, man. Oh, you got that, a guy for us this week, bro. Drum roll, and the winner of the fuckery of boxing award goes to the WBC for give, making Klitschko the number two ranking after he has taken two losses to Joshua and Tyson Fury. We spoke on it earlier, but they get the award. Uh, I could definitely dig it. Um, the Soleimans, uh controversial as usual. Um, yeah, we we we. Uh, I can't say this. Well, this is actually a first for me, man. I won't say this one wasn't beyond them because I, this is a first for me. I've never seen anything like this, but this is some stuff. Straight out of Great White Height, except for you know, Quisco does have a resume. You know, he does have accolades. So you know, that's the only thing. But you know, taking two losses in a row and still taking a ten, a plus ten, ten spot jump in the rankings. Right. Never. Never. All right, um, so I guess we're going to get into breaking down uh, some of these fights, man. Uh, let's see, we got uh starting off. I guess you guys want to talk about Javante Tank Davis versus Liam Walsh. Uh, I guess we could go into that one first for us, an IBF 130-pound title. Um, that's going to be taking place in the U.K. Um, early early in the day next, next week. Um, let me get you guys thoughts on that. Fight as far as who you guys have winning predictions, uh, breaking it down. Um, I'll go ahead and give it to both. About the what fight is it again? Tank Davis versus Walsh. Very good fight. Uh, I think uh, Tank Davis uh, is doing some is doing good by going over to the UK 
and and getting some of that exposure. Um, but uh, but at the same time, Walsh is 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 he's taller than Tank Davis. He has a longer arm reach than Tank Davis. So he has some things that he can use. The problem is the level of competition Walsh's face is, is, is very, very limited. Now, that's not to say Tank Davis has faced great opposition either because uh, Jose Pedraza was able to outbox him. He just gave it up. If Walsh can do the same thing, which is outbox him and do it for 12 rounds, he'll win that fight. Because the one thing about Tank Davis is you can keep him at the end of a jab. He's not a guy who's going to come in and try to, you know what I'm saying, go on you and, and, and everything like that. So it's a very interesting fight. It's good exposure for Tank Davis, and if he looks good in this fight, that's very good, especially if he looks good in the U.K., that'll get them people interested in to find out who he is. So it's a good move, very good fight. Um, I, I, he'll have his hands full. I'm picking Tank only because I'm not sold on Walsh. I don't think Walsh can box like that for 12 rounds, and I think Tank will be able to get to him. And if he gets to him, the one thing about Tank is if he, if he can get you, he's he going to let them hands go. So, you know, we'll see. Right. Uh, Bernard, uh, let me get you your thoughts on the fight. You know what? I'm I'm watching this fight closely. I'm gonna be definitely watching this fight closely, and I'm gonna tell you guys why. I think Tank should have been in the UK a month in advance before that before this fight. He's been in Baltimore training. He went to Vegas. Before for this last week, it was been in Vegas training. I was, I'm really gonna be concerned about it this fight because I'm not saying Tank Davis can't get Walsh out of there. I can see it. I think it's gonna be come down to a decision, and possibly depending on how his body gets adjusted to that climate in such a short period of time and how he fights. It's going to play a major role. And what I mean by how he fights, when we saw when he fought Pedraza, when he fought him, he relied heavily on his power. And that, at times in the fight, you saw St. Davis gassed out. I will hopefully think St. Davis will come into this fight and that his corner, and even Mayweather will tell him, pace himself well. Don't rely on your power in the beginning. Break Walsh down, and then if the knockout presents itself, go for it. I would think he would need to go for the knockout in this fight because he is fighting on foreign foreign soil, being that he's in the U.K., and he would need to get Walsh out of there. But if it goes through the decision, it will be Walsh. But with that being said, I'm picking Tank Davis. Late round stoppage. That's my final. Uh, that's my pick. But the rest of that I spoke about earlier was just my assessment on the fight. But I will definitely be watching this fight closely. Um, you know, uh, this is definitely an interesting fight because, like Bo was saying, Pedraza uh, was able to to outbox Tank Davis for for quite some time and throughout that fight. You know, until Tank was able to get to him and unleash. Um, you know, the bad thing is Pedraza's movement going backwards always has always sucked. As our boy uh, TK, you know, likes to say, you know, you can't fight moving backwards. Um, as far as Walsh, you know, he actually has a, yeah, I would say his uh, foot movement is a little bit better than Pedraza's, and, you know, he's a little bit more comfortable 
as far as uh, countering, you know, and, you know, being on the uh, outside. So, um, you know, I think that's what makes it a little bit more interesting just because I think he has better footwork than, uh, you know, Pedraza as far as uh, being able to, to move around, you know, on his back foot uh, comfortably and be comfortable while doing it. Um, but I still think um, overall I think Tank is going to, you know, that's a little pit bull right there, man, and he's going to get to him eventually, Erdo. Um He's like they like they don't call him Tank for a reason, man. You know, um, mm-hmm. he definitely gonna get to him. Um, I agree with Bernard's assessment of of it probably being a, a closer to a later round uh, stoppage. You know, I think it's gonna be a more of a, a build up accumulation of punishment that's gonna get to Walsh, and then he's ultimately gonna pull later because of that. You know, uh, we're going to see Tank get to him in spurts as as opposed to him, uh, you know, going after him early, even though he said he wants to get him out there early as possible. Um, question, question, real quick question. I don't mean to cut you off. what's your assessment on him not being in the U.K. earlier? Because you talk about, I know you spoke about how fighters should have been in. If they're fighting in a different country, different time zone, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, need to be, they need to be there at least. Three to four weeks, um, um, three to four weeks in advance. Yeah, could that, sure, could, could you, that play you a role? Wanna, you wanna, yes, it can play a role. Now, t- some people say, "Well, Tank is young; he can adjust." Yeah, well, that's true. But the problem still is, though, you want to allow your body to get used to the changing. The, 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 the way the weather is over there is different. The food over there is different. Um, you know, just everything. The you know out changing altitude, the changing climate, uh, you know just everything. You want to let your body get used to everything over there, and that can take some time. Uh, him being young, maybe he can overcome it. But I I guarantee you, if uh, because I think like Earl Spence is over in the they're over that way right now. No, because they know I, 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 they're not there yet. They were in Dallas as of last night at the USC, so I don't know if they. Yeah, but I know, yet. but I but I, I remember Derek James saying our last week here before we head to the UK. So uh-huh. you know what I'm saying. So they're gonna go uh, pretty pretty you know pretty early because you want to get you want to it's gonna take about a week for your body to adjust. It's definitely going to take about a week for your body to adjust. So um, it could it could hurt him. It very well could hurt him. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if it did. The only way we'll know for certain is around about that fourth or fifth round. If his tongue is lagging, that's when we'll know. That's when we will know. All right. Um, so we got our prediction in for that one. I guess we're going to go into one of the other uh, – Title fights this weekend, which is uh, Gary Russell Jr. defending his 126-pound featherweight um, WBC title against Oscar Eskandone, um, I believe, in D.C. Let me get you guys' prediction on this fight. Um, how you guys see it breaking down? Um, Russell's had some uh, a lot of inactivity. Um, you know, that the injury was injured. You know, this fight was put off twice because of injury one time because of Russell the second time because of asking Dunn injured his back. So, um, this fight has definitely uh, been put off for quite some time. Um, let me get you guys a thought so how you think it will play out uh finally. Uh I guess I'll start off with Nard on this one. Uh, 
Garrett Russell, you said? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, long layoff. Both from both sides. Yeah. Garrett Russell has been in the gym. He has been, but he also been work. He hasn't really been focused. Well, I'm not gonna say he's not focused on himself, but he's also been focusing on his family, getting his his uh, little brother involved in and everything to the sport, training him. I'm gonna say this. I think. He still has it out. He wants that revenge fight against uh, Lomachenko. I still think he's going to come in there aggressive, use his speed, be aggressive, impose his will on impose his will on his opponent, and get him out of there. Uh, I'm gonna still I'm gonna call this fight mid round, maybe a knockout because he does got he does got power in, him, in both of his hands. But I still can see it going the distance. But I still got Gary Russell. So with, with that play, uh, I don't see his, his. What was his injury with his opponent though? Did they state why why, why he was injured? For Watch. Let's see how that plays a role. How his back plays a role with him in that fight going going around and expect uh, Gary Russell to attack the body too. In that fight. Right, uh, well, uh, let me get your thoughts on uh, on the fight prediction. Um, how you see him playing out? I see Gary Russell winning this fight. Um, the the guy he's fighting, I don't see him posing a big threat to uh, Gary Russell. To be honest with you, I think uh, Gary Russell. Uh, what's the guy's name again? He got that funny name. What's that dude's name? Escadon. The guy's name is, huh? Escadon. Right, right. Okay, Escadon. Yeah, this is this is a, a just a stay busy a fight for him to be busy. So, I I could see him winning this fight. The real thing for Gary Russell, like somebody mentioned, uh, and that was you Bernard about him fighting Lomachenko. I'm listen. I'm if he wants to fight Lomachenko, he you know fight Lomachenko. But I'm kind of tired of hearing him saying, either go and fight Lomachenko or stop talking about it. You know, and that's that's my thing. Stop talking about it. Go and fight Lomachenko. I'm tired right. of hearing him saying it. I'm really, t- I'm really tired of hearing him saying it. I really am. Fight Lomachenko or fight one of the other title holders. But uh, I, I'm, I'm just tired of hearing him. I mean, dog, you've been talking about it since he lost. Well, we know him. Can we be honest about him? Kind of possibly not going to, you know, you got you I know, mean, some... everybody has nothing to lose considering Lomachenko won the first fight against him, you know. So um, like I guess I, I definitely think uh, it'll be a better a better fight second time around. But you know, uh, well no, she, right? It'll be a better fight. And, and wait a minute, trust me, Bob Aaron will have no problem making that fight with with Gary Russell because Roman Tango beat him once already. He wouldn't have no problem with that. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, but 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 what I'm saying is though, uh, you know, I, I don't remember them talking about the fight. But my thing is, he's been talking about this since he lost. Okay, at this point, at some point, at some point, we got to be like, yo, dog, I'm tired of hearing you say that, man. Go fight either you go fight him or fight one of the other champions. Like, there's been no movement with him and one of the other champions in your own division, and there's been no movement to say, okay, well, since these guys are gonna find me, yo, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go see if I can fight Lomachenko right quick. Then I'll come back. So either you know what I'm saying, I'm just saying, man, stop talking about. It. I've been hearing you talking about this issue lost. Stop talking about it. Go fight him. Go fight him. 
Alright, uh, with that said, um, I'm going to give my prediction. I'm going to go with a, a unanimous decision, man. Um, although Eskandon was put down in his last fight against Robinson Castellanos, who uh, made your boy, Yuri Oka's Gamboa, say no mas. No mas, papi. Oh, shit. I'm, I'm, man, I'm gone, man. Yeah, no ma, no mas, papi. No mas, papi. Uh, I ain't putting put attention to since, since you know, but um, he was put on the campus by uh, Castellanos, but he did come back to knock Castellanos out in that fight. So, I mean, he does have some power himself. Um, at, at one twenty six, um, the skills, the skill, you know, of course, Gary Russell does have the better skill set. So I do expect him to be able to time him and be able to use his speed to. To pretty much keep uh, to keep Eskandon off of him, um, you know what I've noticed with Russell in his last couple of fights is you know something he didn't do earlier in his career because of his uh, hand injuries. Um, you know he's been sitting down on his punches a lot more in his last couple of fights and getting motherfuckers out of there. You know, um, you know he already has the hand speed, so you know what they say already is the the punch you don't see that gets you out of there. And, you know, you add some, a little bit more power onto it, you know, with him actually sitting down on it. Um, you know, it makes for, you know, intriguing, you know, uh, scenario where he might be able to get Eskandon out of there. But um, we'll see how it plays out, man. He's been inactive, so I think he may get the rounds in and just go for the UD. You know, um, the ring rust may play a, play a factor to where he can only get a, a decision, which is why I picked him to win by uh, – UD in this fight. Um, one of the other fights we have coming up this weekend is um our boy um Andre Durrell. You know he, he's fighting for uh IBF interim super middleweight title against uh Jose Uzcadi. Um, I don't know if we get that that last name right, but that's going to be on the undercard of uh the Gary Russell fight. Um, let me get you guys' predictions on that fight, man. Um, man, I've actually been seeing a lot of weird, a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of back and forth about this fight. Uh, well, not a lot, but you know, I've just been seeing some some interesting dialogue about it recently. Um, let me get you guys' thoughts on that fight, starting off with Bo. Uh, it's actually good to see him back in the ring, man. We ain't seen Andre, right? We ain't seen Andre in the ring in in a while. Um, <laughs> I actually want to say something, man, but I'm, not, I'm gonna try to be nice. <laughs> you know that they know that mute button is right around the corner. Is that what it is? No, 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 no. It ain't. It, it ain't that. Uh, you know what? Fuck it. Fuck it. You know, somebody wanted to say something to one of our uh, brethren on the. On the page, so you know what? Fuck it. Uh, I'm gonna go on and say it. But uh, uh, yeah, it's it's good to see the 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 you know Andre busy. It's good to see him busy. Hope he can stay busy this year. Uh, good stay busy fight. I don't. I can't see where this guy can give Andre the real trouble. But then again, you know I don't want to talk bad about the Durrell brothers because there's one Durrell brother out there that would try to 
make a bet with you <laughs> if you say something bad about his brother. Oh, man. <laughs> man. But that yeah. was for the uh, that was for the uh that was for the uh Callum Smith fight. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So but no, but uh I just you know what, I want them to stay busy. I like like right right now you have a vacant belt out there. So I think Anthony Durrell is gonna be fighting Colin Smith for that vacant belt. But Andre needs to get himself uh in the mix also as well. And because of the, like right right now would be a great time for Andre to win and then uh beat Jose and then go after James to Gale. That'd be a perfect time for him to do that. Go right out go back out to go right after James DeGale because I don't know what that fight from um Jack Bondu did to him. So, you know, um the guy he's fighting is rated number one by the IBF. But uh, if if Andre Durrell can come, this is why you got to stay busy, because I don't know what he has lost from him himself not being active. He might have lost something from himself not being active. So that's why you got to stay busy. But he should get past this. I I think out of the two fighters, he's the better skilled fighter. He has the more experience, so he should know how to get past this. And when he do, right away, I mean, right away, look to fight James DeGale because he is he's right for the pickings right now. All right, Bernard, uh, let me get your thoughts on the uh, fight and prediction. I got Anthony Durrell by unanimous decision. Don't really know much about the other fighter, but I know Andre is very motivated. We already spoke to him on this uh, twice on here and recently a couple weeks ago. So I'm, that's my pick, and I just see him going there doing what he's doing, getting, getting, getting like you said with Gary Russell getting the rounds in from this long layoff. I see him doing the same thing unless he decides mm-hmm. to get him out there in the late rounds. But I see him getting there, getting the rounds in. I totally agree with both. Go out to the gale because we ain't even heard from him since he got his teeth knocked out of his mouth from that fight against Jack. So go for it. I, I got him unanimous decision. Why? All right. Um. Um. Hmm. I mean, I've been seeing some back and forth as far as people saying this is a, uh, you know, actually going to be a, a tougher fight for Darrell than than people are letting on. I mean, um. I mean, he's faced guys, you know, this is got to get as good as he can't pronounce his last name, so excuse me if I'm messing it up. You know, um, he's fought at middleweight. You know, he's fought guys like uh, Porky Medina, you know, who uh, who gave uh, James DeGill a lot of problems in their fight. Um, his uh, lone loss is to Matt Korobov. So, I mean, um. I think uh, Darrell should be able to outbox this guy um, using his movement. Of course, this guy um, is a, a suppressor guy. He does have a lot of power, you know, 22 knockouts outside of his 26 victories. So, you know, he does like to pressure you. Um, high, high-volume guy from what I've heard. Um, so I could only imagine what this fight with uh, Porky Medina is like. Um, I'm actually going to have to check, try and check that one out on YouTube if they got video of it. Um, but I think Darrell should be able to pull out a, a, a UD in this fight, man, and a set up that rematch with James Earl. Yeah. 
Let me ask you guys a question. Let me ask you guys one question. Uh, just something I want to throw in there. I don't know if you want to talk about it or not. Do you think Erickson Lubin is ready to fight Jamal? Not at all. Jamal, I mean, not Jamal, Jamal. Jamal Charlie. Not at all. I don't think so. Wow, that's a – you know what, Bo? Ooh. I don't want to say it will turn into a J-Rock situation. But it, I don't want to say he'll get knocked out, but he could possibly get beat. But then again, though, wow. But we've seen Jamel's defense, defensive skills tend to go down a little bit since he left Ronnie Chill. So it may play beneficial to Lupin. But that's a good question. But I definitely like, yeah, that is a very good question. Uh, I don't think uh, Lubin has been in there with the the caliber of competition that uh, Jamel has been in there yet. I mean, you know, he's faced guys like Marta Rosen, who I think is, I mean, people won't give him credit for it, but that's a tough motherfucker right there. I mean, he's given Erlanda trouble twice. I mean, he gave fucking, I mean, I think uh, Charlo beat him easier than uh, Lara did, you know. That's just my assessment on it. Um, so I definitely don't think Lubin is ready. They need to give him a couple more fights against some higher caliber guys, or um, I mean, just some, somebody else in the top one fifty four. I say even a um, a Willie Nelson, a Willie Nelson type. You know what I'm saying? That would be a good test for him to see if he should step up to that uh for that shot against Charlo. I don't think right now they need to, to pursue that fight. Um, he's got he's still in the prospect phase to me, even though he's the number one contender in the WBC. Mm-hmm. That's gonna That's be a, like I said. I, it's, it's gonna be interesting. Uh, shit, Bernard brought up another interesting thing. Uh, you know, to us in the chat. Um. It's looking like Carl Frampton is uh, moving up to 130. Mm. I guess the, uh, the the trilogy with the uh, Leo Santa Cruz was a no go, and now Frampton decide is deciding to test his luck at 130. I wonder what this is about. But is it? Uh, it's kind this of funny. is about uh, he's going to fight. He's going to try to get a big money fight with Lomachenko. I guarantee he's going to try to get a big money fight with Lomachenko. So that, 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 supposedly, that, they're, supposedly they're going to fight Orlando Salido, and then he's going to try to get a big fight with him, too. Also, too, the WBA ranked him number two. Yeah, this is coming up the hill that the Rigo said he might move to 118 or 126. Right, yeah, right, exactly. So, exactly. so, so being number two at, uh, by the WBA. Yeah. He's uh looking at facing a uh, Jezreel Corrales. That that's a good a, fight. That's yeah. That's a good fight. That's a good fight. That's a good fight. And that's a fight that if Corrales is smart, you do it in the UK, he'll make money there because of uh Carl Frampton's status. So yeah, that's a good fight. Yeah. Um also uh Corrales is with the Golden Boy now, so it, you know, they definitely uh you know, they, they have some ties over there in the U.K. with uh, putting um, 
Oh boy, Jorge Linares over there, you know, fighting in the UK for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, so they definitely it's a fight I think they can make. You know, they they've had some. Uh, I guess I seen some heard something about um. Uh, Al Heyman giving Oscar De La Hoya a hug recently. You know, like they they have mended fences, you know, and didn't have any issues. You know, so we may see some collaboration, a lot more collaboration between the two. You know, even though we've seen uh, Amir Khan fighting, uh, you know, uh, Canelo. So we may see more more of them putting their fighters against each other, which is a good thing. Um, I just don't know what I see else for uh, Frampton in that 130. Um, hmm. Possible fight against Tank Davis if he's, you know, hmm. That could be interesting. Uh, another fight that can be made with Tank being with uh, Al Heyman. Um, a UK fight as well for money. Um, I'm not sure. Tank. Um, I don't know. I don't know. That that actually be a, a pretty tough fight for Tank right now, you know, even though he did beat Pedraza. Um, I definitely think Carl Frampton is a lot more skilled than uh, Jose Pedraza was. But um, it should be interesting to see what happens to him at 130, man. What do you guys think of it? of his prospects at 130 outside the, the Corrales fight, which it seems to be the immediate one at with the WBA. Well, uh, Corrales, you could make the case he could probably fight the winner of uh, Takashi Maror and Burchell. And like I said, uh, Lomachenko. Like, there are fights that, that could be made for him at the division. Like, I can actually see Floyd Mayweather trying to fight him back again in the UK because I, I believe Tank Davis with the, with the way – that uh, Carl Frampton fight, that would be a good fight for Tank Davis. Carl Frampton is not going to be extremely tall. I mean, Carl Frampton doesn't move all that great. I mean, you know, but like he, he's not like known to be a mover. Tank Davis probably is more athletic than him, so that would be a good fight. Of course, Lomachenko would definitely be a money fight. Desiree Corrales, you can you can sell that over in the UK. And like I said, the winner of Takashi Maior and, and Nikhil Burchett would be ideal because I think from a skill set level, he could probably – you know, do pretty fairly pretty well if not beat one of them. So it's not a it's not a terrible move on his part, but it does deny us the possibilities of what we could have saw if he stayed at one twenty six with, you know, him and Shelby, which we thought that was gonna be the next UK big fight. Or him and Gary Russell Jr. So Yeah, um I'm kinda of surprised by this move, um considering he'd be a smaller a smaller one thirty guy. You know, like Tank is, you know, Tank's a small 130 guy. Um, Frampton would be an even smaller 130 guy, you know, I think, you know, and, you know, won't carry any any power up there, really. So, I mean, it, it's definitely an interesting move. I don't know if there was any weight concerns about him getting to 126. You know, he's only had a couple of fights there. Uh, so I'm definitely surprised by him moving to 130. I'm not sure what the what the urge was for him to move there. But unless, like Bo was saying, the fight, immediate fight with Lomachenko was looming, um, I can understand that. Uh, but outside of that, um, I definitely don't understand it. Um, I can't see anything any happening with Lomachenko unless it's in the U.K. as well, you know, and they put it on pay-per-view or something over there. You know, on Sky Sports or something like that to make it worth their while. You know, uh, Lomachenko has his high ass guarantee. 
and you know they still had to put out some money to Franta, who's been getting paid for fighting uh, Leo. You know these last couple of fights, you know, pretty heftily. So HBO had to put some money up there to make that thing happen. You know, um, so yeah, we still got one more fight to to go over this weekend, man. Um, the big one, Terence Crawford and uh, Felix Diaz. Ooh, um, let me get you guys a take on this fight. Uh, man, yeah. I'll go ahead and start off with Bo. Well, uh, Bernard, uh, let me get your prediction on it, man. Man. Both are technically sound. Walford can fight Orthodox or Southpaw. I'm going to tell you right now, this is going to be a close fight. I really believe this is going to be a close fight. But I would definitely, I bet you, any kind of money, Crawford's going to be switching between Orthodox and Southpaw, excuse me, to give Diaz, Felix Diaz, different looks. And whichever look that tends to give him the, the benefit over Diaz, that's the one he's going to go with. And my prediction is Crawford, split decision. You said you uh, the decision. Yes, Crawford by split decision. Crawford by split decision. Okay, cool, cool. I could definitely feel that one. Um, Bo, let me get your uh, thoughts on that. Uh, let me get your your uh, your prediction as well on the fight. How you see it playing out? Crawford gonna get his ass beat. Crawford, you know what? Listen, Crawford ain't nothing but an overhyped ass motherfucker. From fucking Nebraska. That's all he is. Who the fuck you be? What the fuck you do? Huh? Who the fuck you be? What the fuck you do? Beating hate lightning makes you the man? I'm just fucking around, y'all. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> I think Terrence Crawford has turned the corner. Um, he said that his toughest fight was the guy more fighting the wars. We saw that. And every fight since then has been a little easy. Here's the thing with Terrence Crawford. I, I did a breakdown about this fight, and I put it up on, uh, I put it up. The thing with Crawford is, <clears throat> when he switched righty to lefty, he does it one or two ways. Either A, number one, he does it at what I call safe distance. So when he's switching, you can't catch him. Or B, he does it, he does it right after he does a combination. So he hits you with a, he hits you with a combination, and after he finishes the combination, he's already made the switch. So he's already in the stand. Okay? Um, I think that both of these guys have very good ring IQ, but I think when it comes to adaptability, Terrence Crawford adjusts faster than Felix Diaz. Felix Diaz adjusts, but I think Terrence Crawford can make that adjustment like right on the spot during the round where Felix Diaz will probably make that adjustment in the next round. All right? Take nothing away from Felix Diaz. He is a younger version of Yuriakis Gamboa. The difference is he, has, he, is, he doesn't have the hand speed, but he is more technically sound. But he's a dog. He's a guy that can come at you so many ways. He could try to box with you. He could try to press you, and it's controlled pressure, so it's not reckless abandoned pressure, all right? So it's going to be a very good fight. The sad thing, and this is what's really sad, is Felix Diaz is a tough fucking competitor. Like, Felix Diaz is a fighter. 
that for all accounts, Terrence Crawford beating Felix Diaz should, you know, kind of make you really want to pay attention to Terrence Crawford. But the problem is he's not sold to the casuals like that. So nobody – now, us hardcores, we look at that, we like, yo, he beat this dude right here who is a – like, he's a dog. Like, Felix Diaz is a dog. If you watched him when he fought Lamont Peterson, you watched him when he fought Sandy Vasquez, like, to show you how mentally tough this dude is, he won a fucking gold medal out the Dominican Republic. This is a place that's not known for boxers, okay? So he's not meant to be tough. You got to be do some shit like that. So, you know, I like the fight. I think the biggest obstacle for Felix Diaz, too, is fighting at 140. So I don't know how his body will do being, you know, go 12, 12 hard rounds at 140. So excellent good fight. Uh, and props to Terrence Crawford because this is another one of those high-risk, low-reward type fights. It's high-risk because Felix Diaz is just that good. And it's low-reward because don't nobody know who Felix Diaz is. So even if Terrence Crawford wins, guess what people are saying? Well, who is Felix Diaz? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's sad. I mean, that's sad because this guy is really that good. Yeah, yeah. Felix Diaz is definitely a tough foe. Um, trained by a uh, um, – What's his name? Uh, Joel Diaz. Joel Diaz, yep. So he's definitely uh, got well schooled. Um, you know, uh, fighting out of the Dominican Republic, won a gold medal, as Bo said. Um, not an easy. Out the Dominican Republic, dog. <laughs> Dominican Republic, dog. Yeah, you know, like uh, his one loss to, to Lamont Peterson is controversial as they come. You know. Uh, you know, it's definitely one of those. So it's technically a guy that many things should be undefeated. You know, he went in there and knocked out a, a bigger guy in Sammy Vasquez, you know, um, after Lamont Peterson. He said he wasn't going to leave shit up to the judges. You know what I'm saying? Um, the the mm-hmm. thick of down the more. The sad thing is if you look at um, Diaz's skill set, he is actually a slickster just like uh, Crawford. Like that is really the, the, the style that I'm more familiar with from as opposed to this style he's been in lately being more aggressive. Um, you know, he's actually more of a slick mover, you know. Um, so I definitely think it's going to be a game of chess. Uh, man, people people going to be, be definitely trying to feed me my crow on this one. But, you know, I'm always the guy that go after the underdog any, uh, anyway. And uh, you know that explains um, why you always picking a dynasty. You know, I don't know. I just like I don't know. I've always liked them, man. You know, even even uh, in a, you know, what I'm saying like I picked him in the Chad Dawson fight team, man. Like when he knocked him out, nobody's expected him to win shit. That's why I really like him. Like he wasn't expected to be no champion. I mean, that's real shit. Nobody ever expected him to win no title. So I mean, that's why I really be bigger up on you know. For him actually being able to be a lineal champion at one point, you know what I mean, when nobody expected him to, nobody expected that from him. So that's why I really be like, cool. Like, I still support him because of that. Um, but, you know, uh, people are thinking uh, Crawford might go in there and, and cream Diaz, man. Diaz is, is fought at 147. You guys got to remember that. You know, he's fought against bigger guys, you know, guys big as Crawford already. Um, long as Crawford is right already, you know, and Vasquez, you know, guys like uh, Adrian Granados, you know, he, he's fought some pretty tough characters, you know, pressure fighters, you know, and Granados, who, you know, high-volume guy. Um, 
Becero, you know, he's been in there with some tough characters. So, I mean, I definitely think he's going to bring his A game. He's been waiting for an opportunity like this, and uh, I think he's coming to take it. Um, I, I got him winning by a – I'm going to go with, with a, a split decision and an upset. In the upset. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, well, you calling for the upset now? <laughs> what? Yeah, you calling yeah. Calling for the upset? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I said I was, I was done doubting Darren Crawford after the, uh, after the, um, what's his name, the post. Like I didn't have any more doubts about him. But like I said, I'm just that much of a believer in Diaz. I just don't think people have had a chance to to see his best because people haven't been fighting him, you know what I'm saying, for the most part. So, um, you know, I definitely think we're going to get to see the best Diaz, best ideas, man. Um, so that, that's my thing, man. Uh, I guess there's maybe one other fight we can go into. I don't know if y'all want to or not. Uh, it's actually one of your boys, uh, Francis Bartholomew. Bernard, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, um, Francis Bartholomew, um, he'll be fighting Carol Relic um, this weekend coming up as well. Right, and, right. Uh, WBA 140 title eliminator. And, you know, um, since we just got off the topic of Crawford, this is, like, probably one of the other few fights that I'd like to see Crawford fight at 140. Like, uh, him, like, Bartholomew and Grenados are, like, the only other two fights I'd rather, you know, I'd like to see uh, Crawford fight at 140 if he's going to stay down there, you know, before going up to 147. Um, You know, Grenados and uh, Rancis Bartholomew, just because of Bartholomew's size, you know, um, with that said, uh, let me get a bold prediction on this fight. Um, how do you see it playing out? <laughs> uh, Rand's by telling me, I think he's not just trying to go in there and, and and look good. I think he's trying to go in there and make a statement. I've been uh, I've been talking to him a couple of times. I've been watching the way that they, you know, that they've been working out over there at Solid at Solid uh, Gym. Uh, so they're extremely focused. Uh, but at the same time, you know, laid back. So I think he's just looking to make a statement. He wants uh, an opportunity to fight for a title. And I don't think he cares who it is, whether it's Terrence Crawford or Julius Ndongo. He wants the opportunity to fight for a title. So he's ready. He's been working out. Um, my issue is I, don't, I hope he hasn't been overtraining because he's been training a lot. So I hope he hasn't been overtraining because that could hurt you. But it's it's a very interesting fight because, now he's being in the mix at 140, and ironically, the, the thing about it is probably by the time he gets up there, Terrence Crawford may have already moved on to 147. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, this fight is actually for title eliminator uh, to face Julius Ndongo, who's actually already been mandated by the IBF to, to send that. Fight limited. Yeah. So, you know, uh, you know, doing that whole, uh, what, what do you call it, Miller? What did you say? No. What do you call it? Well, what's the IBF doing? Stop unification blocking. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's basically what they be doing, man. But um, 
Uh, let me. Do you know anything as far as about Bartholomew and Kara Relic? Um, Bernard. I'm going with Bart uh, Bartholomew. That's the pick okay. I'm picking. You know, I haven't heard nothing much about the other guy, but yeah, I do agree with Bo. I know what Bo is saying. He has been in there training consistently, so I'm looking for him to do what he's going to do and get him out of there. All right. Um, hopefully he don't come in there. You know, he's from Cuba as well. Hopefully he don't come in there with no no fucked up haircut like your nephew Gonzalez. Too late, dog. Too late, dog. You know he got that blue haircut. I know, I know Bartholomew be, be putting, doing some weird shit too. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I can't it's too late, dog. And because uh, his brother had made his blonde. So as you know what I'm, you know what um, as a matter of fact I'm gonna ask him and I, and I know he said it one time before blue hair don't care but I'm gonna ask him if he's he gonna actually come to the fight with that but I think he is <laughs> but he's ready <laughs> no you think I'm joking I'm gonna hit him up right now I said man you can wear that blue hair I'm about to check his uh, his Facebook or his IG to see uh, what his picture is just looking like man that shit is hilarious. Um, man, uh, it's actually a, a tough foe. Um, he's going there against, I don't know how the hell, Curl Relic was able to, uh, to secure this eliminator after losing to Ricky Burns already previously. Um, I'm not sure if he's had a fight in the interim or not, uh, since that loss to Ricky Burns, um, he may have had only one fight since then. Actually, he hasn't. So since Ricky Burns, he hasn't fought. So somehow he's managed to stay as a mandatory, or in a uh, to put himself in a limit, eliminator position, even though he lost to Ricky Burns for the WBA belt already. Man, see, man, it is. Yeah, never mind. I'll save it for later. <coughs> um, man, um, Carol Relic, he's definitely a guy that. Feels his power too much. Um, he's he's impressed with his knockout record, and that's what cost him his fight against Ricky Burns. You know what I'm saying? Uh, instead of setting stuff up, you know, he just wanted to throw nothing but power shots. You know, it looked nice, but you know, he ended up uh, looking foolish in there uh, with Ricky Burns for a lot of the fight. You know, he looked impressive early. Like he was gonna be able to, to sustain and possibly connect later on, but you know, uh, if you don't break stuff down and set stuff up, eventually, man, you know, you're gonna get figured out, and you know, the adjustments are made. Um, so that's gonna be a big thing. Bartholomew's a guy that's been known to give up his damn reach and his height. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. In previous fights, the the guys that are pressure fighters. Um, so that would be interesting to see if that's something he does in this fight. Like I said, Relic can pop. Um, he's he's got a, a pretty high knockout ratio, so I don't know, you know, um, how Bartholomew's chin is as far as at this weight class. How he'll be able to take a guy that's a big 140 and that's a yeah. big power puncher at the weight. Um, so that's what I'll be interested in seeing. But he definitely needs to, to use his, his height and maintain 
using his height in this fight throughout the whole fight because, like I said, Relic is a, a very dangerous puncher. Um, and, you know, Bartholomew giving up his height can play in the Relic's hands, which, you know, um, I don't necessarily think it's a good thing. He's another Ricky Hatton trained fighter as well. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, those guys are definitely pressure fighters, um, high-volume guys. So uh, it'll be interesting to see, but I definitely think um, this is a fight that Bartholomew can win by UD as long as he does, you know, simple basics, you know, using his reach and sticking to it. So that's my uh, selection on that one. And there's actually one other fight we can go into, but I think we're going to say that one for, for a night at the round table. Uh, later in the week, and you know that's a fight that's going to be between uh, now now you you know he's going to be defending his title Sunday morning over in Japan. So we'll probably uh, touch on that one on a night at the round table this week. You know uh, he's going to be fighting Ricardo Rodriguez defending his WBA belt. Um, and there's actually uh, rumors that he may be moving up in weight since uh, the fight with Chaco Tito. Uh, it's looking mm. like it's not going to happen at all. Um, yeah, so um, I guess we're going to go into the UOENO segment of the week and, uh, you know, wrap things up, man. Uh, on this day in 2011, Andre Ward defeats Arthur Abraham by unanimous decision to retain the WBA 168-pound title and advance to the, the finals of the Super 6 tournament, to which he would uh, later go on to defeat uh, what Carl Frock, I believe, uh, in the finals. Um, so, yeah, um, big up to Andre Ward. Training camp, uh, he's came up a couple times already in this uh, in today's uh, show, you know, as far as with the, the fight for Kovalev. So big up to him, man, on that win, and uh, you know that was probably like the beginning of the start of his legacy, winning that uh that super sits and all that. Uh, that was just the beginning for him. So big up to him, and uh, good luck in this fight in June. Um, I guess the final blow is on me this week. Those um, shit. I'm gonna try and keep it short and simple. You guys know I ain't really uh big on these things. Um. I guess we've had some 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 issues with the sanction of bodies recently, man. Um, we're seeing it uh, with the WBA right now with their situation. Um, as far as what they did, I'm just seeing now with Carol Relic in this Francis Bartholomew fight, him losing the fight and still maintaining a mandatory status for a title position, and also with the uh, Vladimir Klitschko in the WBC. Um, I just think, man, there needs to be some kind of universal code between these organization, organizations and uh, these sanctioning bodies. Uh, I mean, to have some kind of normalcy between the rankings. I mean, something, a vetting system between the rankings, because this shit is just ridiculous seeing the fall off between the names and certain organizations and seeing how things are handled uh, misappropriately, such as the Klitschko jumping up 10 spots over a guy that's already 
pretty much a guy that cause was supposed to be fighting at the title eliminator. Um, shit is just absurd, man. So there needs to be some kind of uh, judicial review, I think. Somebody to to just the over some kind of oversight, man. Um, that's my biggest thing because we're seeing a lot of corruption within these sanctioning bodies. It's not anything that's new, of course, in the sport of boxing. But you know, me being in the media now and paying more, you know, closer attention to the, the actual business side and uh, uh, shit, and uh, that goes on, you know, the inner workings of the actual sport as opposed to just uh, me being a fan of uh, the fights itself, which is, you know, something I've always been I'm starting to see how uh, corrupt shit is, man. And I mean, it's a sport that already has enough to deal with as far as, uh, you know, the best not fighting the best and people flocking away from not watching it because people can avoid fighting the best in boxing. And, you know, the sanctioned bodies are actually you know, had their hands in a lot of this shit with some of their inner workings. Um, like, there was no need to, to put Klitschko at number two after losing twice in a row, especially with a guy that's considered the boogeyman of the division is lurking in Louis uh, King Kong Ortiz. You know, people would much rather see that fight. Unless you're going to make a, a title eliminator between him and Klitschko. Mm-hmm. I mean... Don't fucking do it. That's the only thing. I think that would be fair. So, like I said, man, there needs to be something done in boxing as far as having some kind of oversight committee, judicial uh, review set up over the sanctioning bodies that will bring some kind of fixation or uh, listen to, uh, like I said, just the discrepancies between the men. Because it's just bad for the sport and it, it leaves a black eye on it. Um. But, yeah, that's all I pretty much wanted to get out for the final blow, man. Um, I agree with that. I agree with that, uh, Twine. All right. Thanks, fellas. And with that said, man, um, you, I guess you could check us out on a night at the round type table um, later in the week coming up. And I'm going to let the fellas uh, get their handles and where, where they can be seen, man, um, you know, before we get up out of here. Uh, Bo, go ahead. You can find me at Truth and Facts About Boxing. Follow us on YouTube. You can also follow us for more content on uh, Twitter at Truth, capital T for Truth, underscore capital F for Fact Box 1. You can also find us on Instagram, Truth, underscore Fact Box 1. You can find us right here in the movement, uh, Pound for Pound Boxing, our main event. Uh, shout out to the YTBC, the LGBC, Guards of Grill Boxing, We Live, We Sleep Boxing. Talking boxing and bullshit, and you can also uh, find us on uh, uh, the the Ring uh, podcast. And you know, like I said earlier, I said it again. Shout out to Adonis Stevens from on Mother's Day. Uh, anything you like to add, add on the show? Are you finished? Are you done yet? <laughs> <laughs> He's definitely done because I muted his ass anyway. <laughs> Uh, Bernard, man, where can they catch you at? Uh, you can catch me uh, at the movement on Twitter, the movement boxing. That's D A M U V M E N T boxing. That's on Twitter. On Instagram, you can find me at the movement BP D A M U V M E N T BP. 
course, you can find me in the boxing groups under Bernard and Eastwick, the movement uh, Facebook page, Talking Boxing and Bullshit, SSS Boxing, We Live East Beat Boxing, Pistol Cuff Boxing, as well as Ring IQ Boxing, and also other, a few more others. And you can catch 2K, the God of Boxing Talk, on YouTube. That's the guys of Boxing Talk. 2K, you can find 2K, excuse me, on Twitter at Boxing Guys, capital B, for boxing and capital G for God. You can find Big Cool on Facebook, <clears throat> excuse me, on Facebook under Colossal Boxing Talk. That's his page. That's what he's doing for there, as well as in, in all the uh, boxing groups on Facebook as well. As well, you yeah, can find 2K. Also, yeah, also on YouTube, you can catch uh, Big Cool, Colossal Boxing Talk. Yes, that too. <clears throat> and um, other than that, uh, I want to say... Shout out to the IBO. They don't have that many sanctioned body. They don't have the sanctioned body probably like all the other uh, four sanctioned bodies uh, have. So shout out to the IBO. Oh, also, uh, man, Dawood, his son, along with Little Future, uh, Mark, his uh, Mark's son, is going to be participating in the uh, Junior Olympics in Missouri. So good luck to them. And uh, Michael Irvin, his daughter is also fighting. So good luck to him. And okay. you said shout out to 2K. I'm going to call him 2 Bay because every time his wife gets mad, she be like, at the kids, she be like, yeah, you 2 Bay. So shout out to our, so shout out to our missing boy. <laughs> wow. That light-skinned wow. light motherfucker that's not here, shout out to his ass, too. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow, man. Uh, man, um, I'm trying to divine liberty. Jab.com. Um, you can catch me writing articles for them, man. Um, all the biggest fights, pretty much. Uh, uh, you can catch me in all the Facebook groups that these guys mentioned earlier. You know, uh, our, of course, our group, the movement, uh, the movement um, bots. Uh, hey, before you end, before you the Instagram already, but you know, you yeah. can catch us on Instagram. You can catch us on our YouTube channel. Uh, you should catch me in Eastwick Boxing, talk, talk about some bullshit, championship rounds, diehard boxing, big up to y'all. Um, you know what I'm saying? Uh, TLR, we love Eastwick Boxing, um, Boxer Ramp, you know, uh, that's ran by Mary Lurie. I was big up to her, one of my media homies out there, Vegas, big up to her. Um, Garja Girl Boxing, you know, all of our affiliates, Ring IQ. Of course, um, just everybody that's that's supported and you know hold it down, man. Uh, go ahead, Bernard. You gonna have something you want to say? Yeah, I did have something to say. Uh, you can catch us at the round table. I believe it's gonna be Tuesday or Wednesday. I believe yeah. we're gonna have it on Tuesday, most likely. But I want to yeah. say we're gonna have Adrian on the show. She got her. She's, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So she's going to be on the show on the roundtable Tuesday. I'll definitely give her a call to make sure to confirm that. But yeah, she's she she's she she's a woman. She has her vast knowledge. She's seen a lot of boxing over the years. So definitely tune into this Tuesday. And I definitely want to throw a topic out there that we talked about for the U.S. boxing about HBO and Showtime having boxing on the same at the same time. I want to know. So this topic out there on the round table, what's your take on the UK having 
two cars at the same time going on on the same day, like what happened yesterday with the uh uh Kyle Yachty yeah. fight. Yeah, yeah. Fight, the yeah the Josh Warrington. Yeah, that's, All right. yeah. That, that's a good one, man. I actually that's got good something I'd like to uh to mention about that already because uh um, okay. Just because I was talking to uh, one of the guys over in the UK, he was telling me about how pretty much uh, the fights come on over there. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely a good topic to bring up, and I'll be able to do some some homework in the meantime on it to to bring up on the show. So, pick up on that, and uh, till then, you can catch us on night at the roundtable on uh, Tuesday or Wednesday of this week, and uh, every Sunday, man, on the Google Boxing Podcast. Uh, peace, y'all. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.